Truth Squad, what's up? It's been a long time, man. Did y'all miss me? I'm back. Um, I had some. I had to take some time off for work. I had to. Uh, I've been working a lot. Been working two jobs plus. You know, football season's pretty much just started. So we've started um, football practice. So that's taking up a lot of time. But I'm back. I'm here with a new episode. And we're going to be recording more frequently um, as the time goes forward. Now, as you can see, my voice is a little better. It's a little crisp. I finally got me a mixer. Um, and I'm able to hook the microphone to the mixer instead of to the laptop. So hopefully... This helps the quality of my podcast episodes so that y'all are that y'all can enjoy them a lot better. So today, Truth Squad, we're gonna talk about Mitch McConnell. And I'm just gonna tell you what the title of this one is. You probably have seen it. Um, it's Mitch Better Have My Money. Now I watched and heard some of the most ignorant things I have ever heard a person say outside of the current occupant of the White House. And this came the other day. Mitch McConnell was asked a question about reparations for descendants of slaves in America. And it was a it was a valid question because it's been in the news. Uh, they had a hearing in the House about reparations. Presidential candidates have been talking about reparations. And it has been a pretty hot topic here lately. Um, so it was a valid question uh, for him to be asked since he is the Senate Majority Leader. Now, for for the ones that have listened to me before or has followed the podcast, you know that I've recorded an episode called 40 Acres and a Mule, My Plan for Reparations. And I recorded that a while back ago. But now I'm going to address it a little different. Um... Because, like I said, this has been in the been in the news with the presidential candidates, and to me, it's about time to dis- that this discussion has taken place. And the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is acting like a real Mitch right now when it comes to this topic. He spews the same argument that every person, every white person in the Congress has against reparations for slavery. And now it's starting to starting to irritate me, starting to piss me off. And I'm big mad right now. There are many reasons why we deserve reparations and right now we are going to go through just a few. So those that didn't see uh, Mitch McConnell's uh, statements. He pretty much made the same argument that other people have made. I had nothing to do with slavery. White people constantly looking for a handout. We elected a black president. So on, so on, and so on. But there is no substance to back these statements up. And what I mean about substance is the fact that I have yet to hear a particulate these talking points that would be substantive to the debate against reparations. When I hear these arguments, I hear, why should we pay these black people anything? They should be grateful enough that we allowed you 
to live in this country. And I'm going to break down what Mitch McConnell said and then give my reasons why reparations should be paid out. So first things first, I'm going to refute and then break down from Mitch McConnell in his thoughts on the idea of reparations. So the other day he said, paying for something that happened 150 years ago for whom none of us currently living are responsible is not a good idea. Well, let's look at this statement. He said paying for something that no one today was part of is a bad idea. Let's look at the reparations package that was voted on and passed that he was not around for. In 1942, America created concentration camps for Japanese Americans because they feared that they were spies for the Japanese during the war. Mitch McConnell was born in 1942. So technically, he had nothing to do with these concentration camps and the creation of them since he was just born. So if we fast forward 42 years, 1984, Mitch McConnell is elected to the Senate. Four years after his election, the United States, uh, the United States Congress voted to extend an apology to these Japanese Americans that were placed in these concentration camps that Mitch McConnell had nothing to do with. Along with that apology, Congress agreed to pay out $1.6 billion to 82,219 Japanese Americans. But he wasn't part of those camps, nor the idea, but he didn't come out and oppose those reparations. So what about the reparations for the Sioux Indian tribe? They received reparations for the land that was taken from them in the 1880s. Now, you, Mitch McConnell wasn't even thought of during this time, but you were alive when the United States passed reparation, passed the reparation agreement to pay out $103 billion to the Sioux Indian tribe in 1960, uh, 1978. Now the Sioux are declining the reparations because they want the land that was taken from them. And I don't disagree with that, but the Congress did pass this agreement to pay them 1.3 billion dollars on top of that they paid 962 million dollars to natives eskimos and uh, and loots in alaska for their land being taken now mitch mcconnell was in politics at that time in kentucky but you didn't but he did not come out against either of those agreements and therefore you, his claim that it's not, it's not responsible, that argument is not valid and has been proven that reparations has been paid out to others even though none of us was around at that time. But here's something that you didn't know. Did you know that reparations were paid out for slavery? It wasn't paid to the slaves though. See, in 1862, Lincoln signed a bill emancipating slaves in Washington, D.C. and to ease the pain of the slave owners who were loyal to the Union, they were paid $300 for every enslaved person that was set free. Now, back at that time, on average, a plantation would have 30 slaves on their plantation. So out of all the slaves, uh, all the plantations that were in America, 45% of them had 20 to 30 slaves. If you 
add that up, that's six thousand to nine thousand dollars they were paid in eighteen sixty two, which is equivalent to one hundred and fifty two thousand to twenty eight thousand for the average of twenty days today. So reparations have been paid out before, just not to us. Now the next thing he said, and I think this is the the dumb part. He said we deal with our original sin for, of slavery by fighting a civil war, by passing landmark civil rights legislation, elected an African-American president. Now there's a lot to unpack in this statement, so we're going to start from the beginning. So first things first, the civil war was fought for slavery, but not against the institution of slavery. It was fought for the economics of slavery. So let me break this down for you. The value of a slave, the value of the slave population in 1860 was $3 billion. The cost for a slave was 800 to $1,500 at that time. Manufacturing in the North that produced the cotton products that England consumed valued $1.65 billion. In the South, the value of real estate was valued at $2.4 billion. Now, there was a gentleman in South Carolina around this time that uh, South Carolina was getting ready to secede from the Union. And his name is John Townsend. And he stated that the election of Abraham Lincoln would result in the loss of $9 billion for Southern whites, $4 billion in slaves, and $5 billion in related property. Here's something else to think about and how profitable slavery was at that time and why the Confederate South fought so hard to keep the institution alive. If the Confederate States of America would have been able to become a country in 1860, it would have ranked as the fourth richest nation in the world. And even though the North was against slavery, they profited just as much from slavery as the South. New England had 52% of the manufacturing establishments in America and 75% of the 5.14 million spindles in operation. And a spindle is the machine that they use to make product out of cotton. Massachusetts had 30% of all spindles and Rhode Island had 18%. New England consumed 283.7 million pounds of cotton which was 67% of the 422.6 million pounds I used in U.S. mills. Now, the value of the raw material of cotton used in the United States for 422.6 million pounds was $57.3 million. So the cotton cost was 13.5 cents per pound, which is the equivalent to $4.32 per pound today. And the trade between the North and the South was $200 million a year. That's the economic side of it. And Lincoln even talked about this. Lincoln said, he stated that the war wasn't about slavery more than it was about preserving the Union. He said that if he could preserve the institution of slavery but keep it out of the new territories and keep the Union together, he would do that. Again, keeping that institution of slavery around helped both the South and the North economically. 
it's all about the dollars. If it wasn't for slavery, you wouldn't have a Wall Street, you wouldn't have a Wells Fargo, you wouldn't have a Chase Bank, you wouldn't have a JP Morgan, none of that. They earned their wealth based on slavery. Wall Street was a selling block where they took slaves and they auctioned them off. What do they do at Wall Street right now? They auction off stocks. But before stocks, they had slaves. So the Emancipation Proclamation that everybody tends to point to saying that it freed slaves actually didn't free any slaves until 1805. And the reason why is because the Confederacy, the Confederate States of America were not part of the United States of America. And this was a law passed in the United States of America. And the Emancipation Proclamation pretty much was a threat to bring the Confederacy back into the Union. Now, if the Confederacy would have came back into the Union before January 1st, 1863, they would have been able to keep their slaves. The Proclamation freed all slaves in Confederate states, but Lincoln could not enforce it because they were not part of the Union, and they didn't have to follow the federal government's laws. And the Proclamation like I said, didn't free any slaves in slave states that were in the Union, like Kentucky and West Virginia. And the reason why is because Lincoln feared that if he freed the slaves in Kentucky and West Virginia, they would leave the Union and go to the Confederate States of America. He needed all the states that he could, he, he, he needed all the, the Union states that he could in order to preserve the Union and win the war against the South. Now the Civil War was fought to preserve the Union prior to 1863. Economics of slavery in the South and punishment of slavery after 1863. So that's why the Civil War was fought. Now on the idea of the passing of landmark civil rights legislation making up for slavery and taking the place of reparations is hogwash. I'm not even going to talk about civil rights bills that were passed during the civil rights movement, such as the Civil Rights Act of 64, the Voting Act of 65, and the Fair Housing Act of 68. Not going to talk about those. We're going to talk about three major ones. The 13th Amendment, which was passed in 1865. The 14th Amendment, which was passed in 1868 and the 15th Amendment, which was passed in 1870. They were all passed after the Civil War. But, white people at that time could not let us just be free. They found a way to undermine all three amendments that gave us freedom. So starting with the 13th Amendment, it banned slavery and involuntary servitude in the United States with an exception made for the punishment of a crime. That last part is very important because this is how the prison system started and racial discrimination became the foundation of that institution. In 1866, all southern states created what is called black codes throughout the south. These were amended slave codes that were used prior to the freeing of the slaves. They created vagrancy laws against the newly freed slaves, with, which stated that Former slaves had to have labor contracts that showed that they were not just being lazy and not working. And if they 
did not have this or didn't show that they were working a job suitable to white people at that time, they were arrested. They also used this to help farmers and plantations in the South because they would lease out these former slaves in a convict leasing program, which is ultimately slavery again because you arrest these people because they're not doing what you want them to do because after slavery, former slaves had demands. We don't want to work, you know, from sun up to sundown. You know, we wake up at four o'clock in the morning. We're going straight to the to the fields, and we're working until seven o'clock at night. We're working 16, 18, 20 hours days. We don't want to work those days no more. We want to have time to raise our kids. We want to have time to be with our family. We want to have time to just be a human being, something that they were not allowed to be from 16, 19, to 1865 but that was not what southern whites wanted at that time so if they felt like you know you're being lazy you're not working oh you're not doing the type of job that I expect you to do which is being in the field and picking this cotton for us and continue making us money we're gonna arrest you and then lease you out to other plantations or to government. And this program incentivized the arrest of former slaves because again, it's, it supplied workers to the local government and farmers. So next is the 14th Amendment, which granted US citizenship to former slaves because they were born in the United States. Again, they found a way to undermine this amendment. We're gonna go back to the black codes. So black codes were restricted, former slaves were restricted the right to own land. They were restricted from conducting business with either another former slave or with a white person. They were restricted from doing that. They were restricted from leasing land. They were restricted from moving freely in public places. This means that the freedoms that white people receive with being a U.S. citizen, former slaves did not get those same freedoms. Another issue is an argument that Republicans make today. They claim that Democrats were trying to abolish the Second They claim today that Democrats are trying to abolish the Second Amendment and take all of their gun rights away. Well, if we go back to 18 under the Black Former slaves did not have the right to bear arms. They did not have the right to protect their family from an attack, let's just say from the KKK. If they, if they were caught with a gun, they were arrested and put into the convict leasing program. So they didn't have all the rights of a US citizen after the Civil War because they still had to deal with the black codes. Another thing with the black there's rules on the books that state okay if if I'm a former slave I'm walking down the sidewalk I see let's say I see a, a white person walking towards me I am to put my head down step off the sidewalk allow him to pass 
then I can get back on the sidewalk and continue going. If I break that, I can get arrested and then be leased in the convict leasing program. I mean, it's just stupid stuff like that. But they used the black codes to pretty much maintain their control. So with the 15th Amendment, it prohibited governments from denying U.S. citizens the right to vote based on race, color, and past servitude. And here's another example of how they undermined another law that was put in place to help former slaves and future black Americans. If we were given the right to vote in 1870, why did we have to fight for that right to vote in 1965? Why was there a Voting Rights Act of, of 1965? And that's easy to explain because, yes, we had the freedom to vote. We had the freedom to run for office for six years, from 1870 to 1876. What changed was the agreement between Republican presidential candidate Rutherford B. Hayes and Democrats in the South to secure his presidency. This was called the Compromise of 1877. Pretty much what it said was Rutherford B. Hayes went to these Democrats in the South and said, if you vote for me, I will pull all remaining military personnel out of the South and it'll be y'all's again. Reconstruction would be over. And that is exactly what happened. The Democrats in the South voted for Rutherford B. Hayes. Rutherford B. Hayes pulled the military out of the South, thus ending Reconstruction. And this led to Jim Crow law and laws that prevented black people from voting. Things like a grandfather clause, poll taxes. They implemented these poll taxes because they knew, okay, we're going to, let me give you an example. We're going to look at Mississippi and what they did after Reconstruction. So in 1890, the white people in Mississippi came together to write a new, uh, new constitution to replace the constitution that was in place after the Civil War during Reconstruction. And they made it abundantly clear that this new constitution would exclude blacks. So first, they required an annual poll tax that had to be paid for two years prior to an election. Well, former slaves were worst in the state of Mississippi, so it affected them more. They couldn't afford to pay a poll tax for two years. So that eliminated them. That eliminated a lot of them. But the vision and this is by far the more heinous one. The next provision was the most devastating one that hit the black voter in Mississippi. And that was the literacy test. Now this test eliminated all blacks from voting because 60% of former slaves could not read. And if they could read, then the person giving the test would ask stupid questions to confuse black people that they would fail so that they could fail the test. Now here's an example of a question that would disqualify black voters. And if you have a pen and paper, write it down, see if you can do it. Draw a line through the letter below that comes earliest in the alphabet. And the letters are 
Z V S B D M K I T P H C. Now, this is a tricky question. You may not think it's a tricky question, but it actually is a tricky question. Because a normal person will put a line to the letter B because it comes after A, and there isn't one, there isn't a letter A in those options. But you would be wrong. It's actually Z because it is the earliest letter. It's the first letter of the group of letters. But if you mark Z, you are wrong because Z isn't the earliest letter. That is B. But then you're also wrong because it's really the letter A that's in the sentence. And black voters were placed in a lose-lose situation that they couldn't vote. So much for these landmark civil rights legislations that were passed. And then with Barack Obama being elected, let's look at that. He said Barack Obama answered for the sin of slavery. That is, I know this is going to sound bad, but it is, it's equivalent to a rapist giving the woman he raped a high position in his company and says that and raping her. That is completely ridiculous. It doesn't work like that. The rapist is going to go to jail for raping the woman. Just because he gave her a job does not mean, oh, yeah, you know, you gave her a job, we're just going to overlook what you did. No, you're going to jail. So the idea that the election of Barack Obama answered for that sin of slavery is a dumb idea. So Mitch, come on Mitch, you and your friends' arguments are flawed and uninformed, and let's have a real discussion about reparations and what it would really look like. The government's done it before, so why is this different and difficult? You've given reparations to Japanese Americans. You've given reparations to Sioux Indians. You've given reparations of natives from Alaska. You're helping with reparations for Jews and the Holocaust. You gave reparations to slave owners and plantation owners in Washington, D.C. in 1862. We in 1996, the United States government paid reparations to Iran for shooting down an Iranian plane that killed almost 300 civilians. We paid Iran for that. That is a form of reparations. So if we can give reparations to all these other people, why is this one different? Why is this one difficult? I don't understand. So, Mitch McConnell, I would like for you to help me understand why this is different and why this is difficult and why we can't get what we deserve while everybody else got, you know, compensated wrongs that were done to them. Because if you think about it, without slavery, there would be economic base. Without slavery, there wouldn't be 
we wouldn't be the superpower that we are now. Without slavery, we wouldn't have the thing that we have now. And what I mean by that is, again, I mentioned it earlier, Wall Street, J.P. Morgan, Chase, Wells Fargo, those banks profited off of slavery. And then you have the slave owners. Their land was very valuable. Slaves were very valuable. Slaves worked plantations, whether it was tobacco plantations up until 1793 before the cotton gin was created and then cotton became key. From 1619 to 1865, that is 246 years. 246 years of slavery, of working now, when slavery ends, you're already standing on third base, and we're just now in the batter's box trying to get to where you're at. But we can't because there's constantly barriers put in our way to prevent us from getting to that point. And when we get to that point, you always find a way to take it from us. For instance, Black Wall Street, Greenwood, South, uh, Greenwood, Oklahoma, suburb of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Probably one of the most prominent black neighborhoods in the country. But because residents on the white side of town were jealous of the residents on the black side of town, they went in and burned Black Wall Street down. They worked their way up. They did what you suggest. Pull yourself by your bootstraps. Well, they pulled themselves up by their bootstraps, and then their fellow neighbor came and took their bootstraps from them and then said, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Let's look at Rosewood. Rosewood was another prominent black community in Florida. An accusation was made that was not true. The Klan came in and burned Rosewood, Florida to the ground. Again, another black community that took your advice and pulled themselves up by their bootstraps just for their white counterparts in another town to come in and take those bootstraps from them. And now they have to find new bootstraps to pull themselves up by. So this argument that you're making is not a valid argument. It's a talking point. You say these things to get your base feeling a certain way, but they're not having the conversation. They just hear these people want a check. They want your money. That's not going to help the conversation. So, Mitch, you and your pals, we need to have a real discussion about 
reparations and why you feel it is difficult to do it and why it is different than the other groups that got theirs. That's all I'm asking. So that's going to do it for this episode. I want to thank y'all for listening. I'm back. I'm going to be recording more frequently. Um, also, another update. I have a website that will be dropping here in the next two to three days. Um, that website will also be a blog, so you can also find the episodes on there in written form so you can read it. Um, but I have a website. I also have an online store coming that's going to have merch um, that I will be selling. Um, anything to help the podcast. Um, on the website, you'll be able to subscribe to the newsletter. Uh, you'll get an email letting you know when I've released a new episode, when I've posted a new blog, uh, any events that are going on that I'm going to be at, um, all of that good stuff. So, yeah, once I drop the, uh, the website, I will let y'all know. I will post it on my Facebook, uh, King Truth Podcast. I will post it on Instagram, at King Truth Podcast. I will post it on Twitter, at King Truth Podcast. Um, also, subscribe to the podcast. Leave a review, rate it, leave a comment. Um, let me know what you think. Whether you like it or you don't like it, I like feedback. Um, I like to grow. So, subscribe, rate it, review it, or leave a comment, and I'll be back with y'all next time. This is King Truth. Peace. <laughs>